Glory to God. So it's good to be here today. We've had a big, we've had a big week for the Walker family and we're excited about the expansion, uh, of, of not only God's kingdom, but the Walker Weir Trevino family. I told Josh, I said, okay, Josh, about nine months and a day or two, we're ready for another one. So, uh, I don't know if that's going to happen or not, but we'll see. I want you to turn in your Bible to Joshua chapter 1, and we continue in our journey that we began a few Sundays ago talking about uncharted waters. Everyone say uncharted waters. Have you ever been in uncharted waters? Well, uh, this morning I want to encourage you in something that your life, sometimes it seems like we are in the middle of uncharted waters. Uh, but when you think about God's perspective, it's not uncharted to Him. Amen? We look into our future and we go, man, I've never been this way before. And I've never uh, gone down this road before. I've never been in tomorrow. And I said this last Sunday, you know, I, if Michael J. Fox is not in the room, then probably none of us have been to the future. Uh, and so we it's uncharted waters for us. That's from our perspective. But how many of you know God has a plan? Amen. In fact, look at your neighbor this morning and say, God has a plan. God really does have a plan. And, and what we're learning over the next few Sundays, really, this is a 12-week series that not only I, but some of our other ministry team are going to, in fact, Josh is preparing a message from this theme and from this series, as well as Ryan. Uh, uh, we're, we want you to learn how to navigate your way into God's perfect plan for your life. You see, the very definition of the word sin, how many of you know we're all sinners? The very definition of the Greek word sin, the Greek word is hamartia, which really means to miss the mark. How many have ever missed the mark? You know, if you're, if you're off base from a, from a, any perspective with your aim in life, you're going to miss the mark. And so we're hoping through this study of Joshua and the children of Israel, we're, we're hoping and praying that you and I will be able to navigate our way into God's perfect plan for our life. And that was the case with the children of Israel. Now, you know, in Joshua, the history there is the children of Israel were led out of Egyptian bondage by who? I'm going to start over because I caught you off guard with the question. The children of Israel 40 years prior to Joshua chapter 1 through 5, were led out of Egyptian bondage by who? There you go. I know I caught you. I got you catching up. Moses. But you know Moses blew it. How many of you know uh, when you're a leader, something, uh, the standard and the requirement of life sometimes is lifted to another level? And Moses misrepresented God. And God told him, said, uh, uh, he said, you're not going to get to go into the promised land. I'll let you see it from over the mountainside. You can't go in, but uh, I'll raise up Joshua in your place and he'll take the children of Israel on in. And so Joshua ends up leading the children of Israel into their promised possession. And that's what the book of Joshua is all about. They'd been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years unnecessarily. Could I tell you, God's plan for them was not to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. But because of the hardness of their heart and their lack of faith, as we have seen and will continue to see, they wandered in the wilderness and the old had to die out. In fact, all those that were living when they left Egypt died out and the second generation, and we could call them the Joshua generation, they were ready to move on in. How many of you know you got to get sick and tired 
of something before you'll make a, make a move many times. And these folks had gotten sick and tired of that old same old lifestyle and that food they ate every day, which was manna. Everyone say manna. And, and the, and the word for manna really means anybody know? What is it? Have you ever ate? What is it? Some of you said, I had it this morning. Every morning, noon and night, they looked at their meal, <laughs> scratched their head and said, what is it? Hey, these people have gotten tired of what is it? And Joshua led them on in. So we're looking at the life of Joshua. We're learning. And in fact, I'm telling you, in fact, look in Joshua chapter three. We'll go back a little bit. Joshua chapter three is kind of the, is kind of the, the, the focal point of where we're starting this series. Then Joshua rose early in the morning and they set out from the Acacia Grove and came to the Jordan. He and all the children of Israel and lodged there before they crossed over. So it was after three days that the officers went, officers went through the camp and they commanded the people saying, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord, your God and the priests and the Levites bearing it, you shall set out from your place and go after it. Everyone say, go after it. And he says, yet there shall be a space between you and it after about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it that you may, here it is, that you may know by which, the way by which you must go. For you have not passed this way before. You see God in his presence, and that's what the Ark of the Covenant is, uh, is the manifestation of God's present, presence wants to lead us into the way that we should go because we've not been this way before. In other words, God wants to help us navigate our way into the perfect place that he has for us, into his perfect promises and his perfect plan for our life. You see, God's not a gambler. He has a plan. He's not rock, paper, scissoring over your life. Somebody say amen. And he has a plan. In fact, Jeremiah says, he says, I know the thoughts that I think toward you, God said through Jeremiah, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a, come on, to give you a, a future and a hope. That's God's desire over all of us. And so we're going to learn 12 life lessons of spiritual progress. That's what we're learning. We've already learned two. We're going to learn another one tonight, today. And these life lessons of progress are designed to lift the burden of the unknown off of your life. This week, this month, and these next few months as we go through this, if you'll apply and appropriate these life lessons into your life, the unknown, the future of your, uh, your destiny will not be, be a, a point of consternation and fear and fret, but God will begin to give revelation into your life on the way that you should go. You just keep your eyes on him. You don't know. Uh, you've never been this way before. Look at your neighbor and say, we've never been this way before. And so uh, they'll lift the burden of the unknown. These principles will lighten the load of unrighteousness off your life. Last Sunday, we learned a little bit about that as we learned to make the priority of God's presence, or make God's presence a priority in our life. It lightens the load of unrighteousness off our life. And then thirdly, these principles will lead us into the unwavering promise and purpose of God for our life. So, hey, these are great opportunities in the ne in the days before us. Today's a great opportunity for you to lift, see God lift the burden of the unknown off your life and lighten the load of unrighteousness and lead you into God's unwavering purpose and plan for your life. He really does have a plan for your life. 
The first two life lessons that I shared with you, let me just quickly rehearse them. I won't re-preach them. The first one was we've got to learn to embrace the promises. Everyone say embrace the promises. In fact, if you look in Joshua chapter one, what you'll see the first thing God does with, with Joshua, he says, Moses is dead. It's your turn now. It's time to lead. Here's the baton of leadership. And God begins to rehearse the promises that he promised to Moses, uh, that, that he was now. How many of you know there's, a, there's such a thing as generational blessing? You see, a lot of people get all hung up on the generational curse, and I think we ought to break the curse. Just because mom and daddy and grandma and grandpa and and great uncle Ed were all uh, 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 alcoholics does not mean you have to be one. We can break the curse. Amen. But how many of you know there's not only generational curses, there's generational blessings. Amen. You know, my children are experiencing a level of generational blessing in their life. Because of not only what their parents, but their grandparents and their great grandparents live. Hey, how many of you know, we chew up the meat and spit out the bones in our family. We, we, we embrace what is good and apply it in our life. And there's generational blessing. And Joshua was a beneficiary and the children of Israel were beneficiaries. And God came to Joshua and said, let me just re- review the promises here with you a little bit. So you've got to learn to embrace the promises. And then last Sunday, uh, we learned that you've got to make his presence top priority in your life. And just a quick review of the children of Israel, even in the wilderness, God gave them a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And then he, then he built the tabernacle, gave instructions to build the tabernacle and the Ark of the Covenant, which we read about just a few moments ago. And the Ark of the Covenant and the tabernacle was the dwelling place of the manifest presence of God in their life. And the presence of God led them everywhere they needed to go. And if the, if the cloud didn't move, they didn't move. In fact, there was a point where, where the children of Israel thought God had left them and they made a molten calf and they began to rebel against the Lord and, and Moses and Joshua went into the tabernacle of meeting and began to pray and cry out to God. And God said, Moses, listen, you take them on in, but I'm not going. And Moses basically says to God, if you don't go, we don't go. Everyone say, if he doesn't go, we don't go. You see, we need his presence in our life. And so last Sunday was the priority of God's presence in our life. These are principles. These are life lessons of spiritual progress that you and I need to embrace in our life to move forward into the destiny of God for our life and quit wandering around in the wilderness of sameness looking at what is it every day, hoping and praying against all the odds that somehow you can break through into another level. You see, if you'll learn these lessons, they'll begin to move you forward in life. And this morning, life lesson number three for your spiritual progress is the fear not factor. Everyone say fear not. Oh, when you look at Joshua and you see what God was saying to him, you look in verse nine. I love this verse. Here it is. It says, have I not commanded you Be strong and of a good courage. In fact, let's read this together. You want to start over and read it together with me? We'll start over at have I not commanded you. Here we go. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of a good courage. Do not be afraid or dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. What a promise from God. Look at your neighbor and say, be strong and of a good courage. Tell somebody. And then tell them, tell them again, say, don't be afraid or dismayed. Listen, your future is no reason to be fearful. 
And it's the fear not factor that you and I have to learn in order to move forward in our spiritual lives. And let me say this to you today. You need to get this down because this is true. Nothing more profoundly true from the, than, than this concerning the children of Israel and the paralyzation, if you will, of their journey. Here it is. Nothing can paralyze your spiritual progress any faster than fear. Let's say this out loud, everyone together. There is nothing that can paralyze your spiritual progress any faster than fear. Do you believe that? And we see that with the children of Israel. And if we had time, we'd go back to the Numbers 13 and 14 where they moved out of Egyptian bondage in Numbers 13. Within weeks, they were right to the place where they are here in Joshua chapter 1. They were right at the river and they sent, uh, they, they sent 12 spies over into the promised land to spy out the land. And you know what happened? The spies came back and 10 of the 12 gave a bad report. They gave a fear factor report. They reported based upon their fears. And you know, Joshua and Caleb tried to overwhelm that by saying, be quiet, be quiet, hush, everybody calm down. We are able to go in and take the country. And in fact, uh, one of the verses in Numbers 14, uh, when, when the fear factor had just overwhelmed them, they're weeping and crying and complaining. And, and, and Joshua says, listen, don't be dismayed. Fear not. But the children of Israel were overwhelmed with the fear factor rather than the fear not factor. Everyone say fear not. And as a result, they were paralyzed in their spiritual progress for 40 years. How many of you know that's a powerful influence in our life? When we embrace something of, of, that is not a, not a faith, but a fear, it paralyzes us. For 40 years, in fact, those that were paralyzed in fear had to completely die in the wilderness in order for the new Joshua generation to rise up in faith and believe God and trust God. So you need to understand something about your spiritual progress. If you embrace fear in your life, you will be paralyzed. But if you embrace the fear not factor, progress will begin to be made manifest in your life. Everyone say fear not. Everyone say, be strong. Everyone say, be of a good courage. Everyone say, fear not. You know, I think of David. I think of the children of Israel and David and when he was a little shepherd boy. You remember the story? All of Israel, I think it's First Samuel. I can't remember the chapters, maybe 17. Uh, all of Israel were paralyzed because of who? Goliath. They were all afraid and they were shaking in their army boots. And little David came to uh, take care of his brothers and little David jumped up to the front of the line and said, is there not a cause? And he had a vision and a purpose. And guess what? God brought about a great victory. He faced the fears of all the children of Israel and he overcame his Goliath. He overcame their Goliath and he was not paralyzed by the fear factor. Now, this morning, when you look at Joshua and you see chapter 1, God is rehearsing and reviewing for him the promises of God, as we said. And he instructs him three times in nine chapters. He says, verse 6, be strong and of a good courage. In verse 7, only be strong and very courageous. Everyone say very courageous. 
he throws a little added descriptive in there. The first one was a good courage, and the next one is very courageous. In fact, that word very is where we get the word vehement. He want, he said, you got to be vehement about this courageous uh, posture that you must take. And then verse 9, as we read, be strong and of a good courage, and do not be afraid nor dismayed. So we see God really working Joshua here as he's preparing to lead the children of Israel to not embrace the fear factor and not be paralyzed all over again, but to embrace the fear not factor. Everyone say fear not. And so that's what you and I've got to do. In fact, when you look at the Bible and really when you study the children of Israel, if you did a quick synopsis and just went through it quickly, let me, in fact, let me just show you the fear not factor, a little biblical history here this morning. Uh, In Deuteronomy chapter three, we don't need to go there, but Deuteronomy three, Moses has already blown it from the standpoint of misrepresenting God to the people. God's already said, you can't go in, but Joshua will lead them in. And Deuteronomy three, God instructs Moses to instruct Joshua to not to, to, to be strong and very courageous and not fear. So even right after Moses was just, you know, beginning the understanding that he was, a, he was going to have to die in the wilderness, God says, you got to instruct Moses, pardon me, instruct Joshua to fear not. And then, so we see as you fast forward into Deuteronomy 31, verse 6 and 7, Moses obeys God's instructions and he gets him aside and he's, and he instructs him really before all the people and says, and says, Joshua, don't fear. Don't be dismayed. Be strong. Very courageous. And so he does that. And then we get to Joshua chapter one where we are, as I just read to you. And then God reviews it all and says it to him again. Hey, d- fear not. Be strong and of a good courage. Be strong and very courageous. And here's an interesting thing. Once he got it, he went to the children of Israel in chapter one and he said, okay, y'all get ready ready. We're going over. And you know what the children of Israel did in verse 18? They said, and this was so contrary to their forefathers who died in the wilderness that in my, this is what I saw them doing. They saluted and they said to Joshua, Hey, whatever you tell us to do, we're going to do it. And you know what, Joshua, if anybody disobeys what you say, we'll just kill them. We'll get them out of the way. How many of you know, they knew rebellion and fear was a devastating thing in their life for the past 40 years. And what they were saying to Joshua was, we will not let the fear factor in this camp. It's not happening. And you know what the people said to Joshua? We'll we'll make sure the fear factor doesn't get in. You just be strong and of a good courage. So now we see the people... The Joshua generation, they're, they're, they're getting behind Joshua going, come on. Hey, we're not letting the fear factor get us this time. We're going to fear not. And, and we just, we just encourage you. Be strong, Joshua, and of a good courage. We're behind you. We're with you. I love it. It's the fear not factor in history. And then uh, if we fast forward to Joshua 10, there's still some battles to accomplish. And without going into the story, I, and I mentioned it just a little bit ago, uh, Joshua, uh, well, he, they had gotten the victory over five kings. When they heard how powerful the children of Israel were and how Jericho had, had fallen, these five kings came together against Israel and, and God brought about a great victory and God brought all the, the, the fathers of the tribes and said, put your feet on the necks of these kings which we've captured. And, and let me just tell you this, uh, and let me get you this down right here. Guess what? You're going to have the victory in your life. Just fear not. Be courageous. 
God will do this for you everywhere you go if you'll fear not. Everyone say, fear not. So we see this biblical fear not factor throughout history, throughout the children of Israel. And then you fast forward to the New Testament. I love this. You know, God comes to jo- uh, Joseph in Matthew chapter 1. And Joseph is the husband of Mary. And you know what the first thing God says to Joseph there in Matthew? Fear not. Everyone say, fear not. That says Jesus to Joseph. It really should be God to Joseph because Jesus wasn't born yet. But he said, fear not. And I love what Joshua did. You know what Joshua did? He embraced the word of God. And it says he went out and he took his wife and he just started obeying God. He chose not to fear. And if you move fast forward a little bit further, you'll find Paul the apostle in many different places. But Paul to Timothy, he looks at his son in the faith, Timothy, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. He said, stir up the gift of God which is in you, which was given you through the laying on of the hands of the elders. And remember this, God did not give you a spirit of fear, but a power and of love and a sound mind. Everyone say, fear not. And so today, it's no different for us. If we're going to move forward into the purposes of God for our life and, and embrace God's plan and, and navigate our way into God's eternal purpose for us and His plan for our life, we've got to, we've got to learn, hey, we've got to embrace His promises and make the presence of God top priority in our life. And number three, we've got to learn to fear not. Amen. And so this morning, God wants us to position ourselves in a place like he commanded Joshua there in verse 9, when he said, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of a good courage, and do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. And so this morning, I want to teach you how to seize upon the fear not factor in your life. Everyone take your hands and say, seize upon. This is an important statement. Everyone say it again, seize upon. Why do you say seize upon? Well, hey, this is a neat word study right here because in Joshua chapter 1 verse 9 where God says be strong. Everyone say be strong. That's not describing a state of being. It's a, it's a state of doing. Because the phrase be strong basically means to seize upon God's strength in our life or to seize upon something. Let me rewind way back to Exodus chapter 4 when God begins to call Moses to lead the children of Israel out of Egyptian bondage. How many of you know Moses didn't want to do it? He said, I got a stuttering problem. And so Moses brought God all these questions and, and he's trying to weasel his way out of doing what God wanted him to do. In Exodus chapter 4, he says to God, yeah, but I understand all, I, I believe you, I try, but what about these people? What if they don't believe? And God says, what's in your hand? And he looked in his staff, his rod was in his hand. He said, throw it down. So he threw it down. Remember the story? You've seen the movie, right? And the staff becomes a what? Not a snake in the Bible. It's a serpent. (laughs) Got to be biblically correct. It becomes a serpent. What did Moses' man of faith do? He ran. A serpent. Ah. And God tells him something. What does he tell him? Pick it up. Everyone say, pick it up. 
The Hebrew word there for pick it up is the same word as be strong in Joshua 1.9. It's an action word. In other words, you've got to move forward in the face of your fears. Come on now, are y'all with me today? Cowboys played last night. Everybody relax. I don't even know if they won or not. Did they play? I didn't know. It's all preseason. Who cares? He says, you go forward and you face your fear and you pick it up. You seize it. Now, that's what you and I have to learn about the fear not factor. It's up to us to step forward and to pick it up, to seize the fear not factor in our life. Are you with me? This is hugely important for us to understand because we can't just sit idly in, 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 a, in the corner and, and expect the fear not factor to seize us. In fact, if we sit idly in the corner, the fear factor will seize us. Are you with me? And so that's hugely important. It's an action word. Now, let me give you one more verse that, that really correlates with this. Isaiah 40, 31. Everyone say Isaiah 40, 31. We used to sing it when I was growing up. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like, I can't hit it, eagles. What a verse. They that wait upon the Lord shall do what? Renew their strength. Drink. What are we talking about? He said, be strong, seize upon this thing. Seize upon the courage and the strength that I have for you. And here Isaiah says, God says, they that wait upon the Lord. Now, any waiters in the house, any, 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 hey, it's okay, it's an honest profession. Any waiters in the house, you've waited on people. <clears throat> That's kind of the idea a lot of us get. A lot, how many of you have been in a waiting room? We waited for Stacy a long time on Wednesday. A lot of waiting. That's not what this word means. Some people think, well, if you just sit around and wait on God, what are you doing? Well, I'm just waiting on the Lord, brother. That's not this word. This word, wait, means to wrap around by twisting. I don't know why they said wait here because it just doesn't quite fit what it really means to wrap around by twisting the picture is as a vine would wrap around an oak tree the vine has no real strength in and of itself you can take a vine and with a little effort and energy you can jerk it put, cut, you know but if it gets wrapped around that tree it begins to take upon itself the strength of what it has wrapped itself around. Are you still following me? I'm building a case here to seize upon God's strength and courage in our life. God comes to Joshua and says, okay, now you're about to lead the children of Israel out of 40 years of wilderness wanderings. They were all hung up in fear. You and this new Joshua generation can't. You got to be strong. You got to seize upon this. Everybody take your hand and go seize upon this. Have you ever, hey, you know, you can put a rope in my hand and, and you and three or four guys can jerk it out, right? But if I take a rope 
in my hand and not only put it through my hand, but I wrap it around and I do three or four. You ever watch those bull riders? Do they just grab? You don't see, you don't see the bull riders grabbing the rope and going, one, two, three, let's go. Now, Ryan, that's pretty funny, and you didn't even smile there. I, 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 I'm going to try it again, Ryan. They laugh. You don't see the bull rider going, okay, I'm ready now. Let him out. I got to have to talk to back in You wrap that thing up around you, it's going to be hard for somebody to rip it out of your hand. And God says, that's the way you have to do with me. You've got to wrap yourself all around me. You've got to get all intertwined with me. And though you are weak, I am strong. And you can, if you wait upon me, if you wrap yourselves all up around me and you get a hold of me and you just say, come on, devil, I, I'm wrapping around. Hey, you'll, you'll mount up. You'll, you'll, you'll be strong. You'll renew your strength. You'll mount up with wings as eagles and you'll run and not be weary and you'll walk and not faint. In other words, there'll be progress. Everyone say progress. So with that in mind, with this, uh, with establishing this, this understanding and this truth of seizing upon something, uh, you need to understand uh, that you and I have to be proactive in this. And listen, your waiting on God has nothing to do with just being idle. It is an action word. Everyone say an action word. It really is. We got to get involved with the strength of God and the courage of God and the strength of God in our life. And so, hey, now the children of Israel, they were a different story as they were moving out of the, out of, uh, Egyptian bondage. Guess what? They did not wrap themselves around God and His Word. They wrapped themselves around all the wrong things. When they got to, in Numbers 13 and 14, when they got to the river the first time, they seized upon what they saw with their natural eye rather than what God said. You see, if you seize upon what you see rather than what God said, the fear factor will seize you. Are y'all with me today? I thought this was pretty good. If you, if you wrap yourself around and you seize what you see with your natural eye, rather than seizing upon what God said, guess what? The fear factor will seize you. And that's what happened to the children of Israel. They looked and they saw the giants. They, they seized upon the giants and their power rather than the power of God over their giants. And as a result, what they seized upon end up seizing them. They seized upon all the wrong things. They seized upon a victim mentality. Now, that, in fact, the New King James actually uses the word in chapter 4, I think it's verse thir- um, chapter uh, 4, verse 3 somewhere. They're all moaning and crying, and they said, it would have been better if we'd have stayed in Egypt. It would have been better if we'd have died out there in the wilderness. And they said, we're all a bunch of victims. Some of you are giggling. Some of you go, Pastor, careful, you're getting close. You're treading on some, some sacred ground there. Let me just, let me just stop. Time out a second. If you seize upon the victim mentality, 
I'm just a victim of this circumstances. I'm a victim of my the world, my parents and my mama and my daddy and my uncle, my brother in the financial world. I'm a victim. Oh, and you seize upon that. That thing will seize upon you. It'll paralyze your life. The children of Israel seized upon. They wrapped their brain around all the wrong things. They saw everything wrong. And as a result, they missed their moment and wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. And they all died in the wilderness and never got a hold of the promise. Only their children who had had enough of their parents' curse over their life got to move into the promised land. You see, it's an action word. And so this morning, here we go. Are you ready? I've got 15 minutes. I want to give you six things. Here we go. That you and I have to seize upon in order to keep the spiritual progress moving forward in our life and seize upon the fear not factor. And a couple of them are kind of review and rehearsal or or review basically. The first one is this. You've got to seize upon the promise and the priority of his presence in your life. Chapter one, I'm going to be with you. And cha- and then all throughout history, hey, Joshua made sure the Lord's presence is with them. You've got to seize upon the promise of his presence and the priority of his presence in your life. Make the priority of God. He's with me. If he doesn't move, I don't move. I want his presence more than I want his presence. Most people just want his presence with a T. Hey, his presence with a T are of no value without his presence with a C. They are hollow. That's why Moses said, hey, we're not going in if you're not going. And if you want to embrace the fear not factor, you've got to embrace the promise because he said, he told him, be strong and of a good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed for I, the Lord, your God, I'm with you wherever you go. Amen. So we've got to seize upon that. I'm telling, I'm I'm about to see somebody right now. I, I feel, some of you are not getting it. Some of you, my brothers used to seize me when I was a kid. They would seize me, get on top of me and hold my, uh, my hands down and they would give me Indian torture on the chest and I thought I was going to heaven early. And we've, that's the kind, hey, listen, we got to seize upon the promises of God. Some of you are still sitting around going, well, maybe so, maybe not. You know, rock, paper, scissors. I don't know how, I don't know how it's going to turn out. No. Hey, he's with me wherever I go. Bless God. What can man do to me? I will not be afraid, as Psalm 91 says, of the arrow that flies by day or the, or the things that come at me in the night. I will be strong. I'm going to hide myself in his presence. Hey, just right up there. Write down on your note, Psalm 91. Go home and chew on that for about a month. Amen. Number two, not only seize upon the promise and priority of his presence, but number two, you and I must seize upon the clarity of his command. Because understand something, verse nine there in chapter one of Joshua, he asked a question. He said, he's bringing a reminder by way of a question. He said, have I not commanded you in this? In other words, to be strong, to seize upon God's strength and his courage and to not fear. Everyone say, don't fear. 
It's a command form. And, and don't be dismayed. It's the command form. He said, have I not commanded you in this? Could I tell you, if you and I will just embrace the command of God over our life, and regardless of what we feel on the inside or think right here or even see with our eye, just embrace the reality that if we obey his command, his blessing will be upon us and he will lead us through the dark places of life. But if we're always doubting the command of God and disobeying the command of God over our life and somehow expecting him to bless us, what were we thinking? Well, I'm going to disobey you everywhere, but I'm certainly expecting you to bless me. That's okay. I don't care if you didn't clean your room. I don't care if you didn't carry out the trash. I don't care if you didn't uh, obey your teacher. I don't care if you've just been a disobedient little hellion. Here's your allowance, son. Hello. It ain't happening. Are you with me? A little passionate about that point. Pardon me. It's the clarity of his command. I'm going to obey him. Because he said, fear not, I'm not going to fear. Hey, read Deuteronomy 28. You obey the Lord, he will bless you. Come on, somebody curl up your forehead and, and look at your neighbor and say, he will bless you. Like you really, he will bless you. And if they look at you funny, give them one of them in Jesus' name. Come on now, in Jesus' name. It's the command of God. You got to seize upon it. I'm going to obey the Lord and he's going to lead me through these dark places in life. You see, even though it's uncharted waters to you, he knows where all the stumps are. He knows where all the rocks are. He knows where all the pitfalls are. He knows it all. He's been there and done that. And he will, he will lead you if you'll just obey him. Amen. Somebody say amen. It's the promise of his presence. You've got to seize upon it. It's the, it's the clarity of his command. You've got to seize upon it. Number three, we've got to seize upon the source of his strength and realize this is where we get our strength, as Isaiah 40, 31 said. And as Isaiah, pardon me, as Ephesians 6, 10 says, Paul said, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Remember, the vine has not much strength. But when it wraps itself around God, it takes upon the strength of God. I'm seizing upon His strength. I'm seizing upon the command of God over my life. I'm going to quit being a disobedient believer. That's almost, or in fact it is. It makes no sense to say I believe, but I disobey. Because obedience is equates to faith, which means we believe. Everyone say, I believe. We seize upon the source of, source of his strength. And number four, I love this one. You and I must seize upon the confidence of his courage. We've got to seize upon courage. And that's what he said. Be strong and of a good courage. Oh, there's so much I could read. Psalm 27, the last few verses. A lot in Psalms. I just think of David here. When all of his armies were against him. When they had come back home from doing battle. And the enemy had come into Ziklag and stolen their families and their children and pillaged their possessions. And his friends and companions thought of stoning him. They said, let's have a rock party. And let's invite 
Joshua. Let's pardon me. Let's invite David. And the Bible says David seized upon the presence of God. He said, "Bring me the linen ephod, which was a, something you put on as a priest when you went into the presence of God." And he began to talk to God. And the Bible says, "Listen carefully to me." When everything and everyone were against him, when he was all by himself, when his friends were turning on him like in record numbers, it says he encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Ooh, he began to stir up himself like a man of war. He began to get courage in the place of prayer. He started getting courage and he said, oh man, I can just see him go, oh, I'm going to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. I am a man of God. It doesn't matter what's happened. The devil that's stolen from me, he's going to have to restore sevenfold. And what this devil meant for evil, God's going to turn around for good and he's getting courage. And when he starts stirring himself up to get courage, the word of the Lord comes on him and says, pursue. You shall doubtless recover it all. He had confidence in the courage of God that was available to him. The writer of Hebrews says, don't cast away your confidence, which has great reward. You got to seize upon the confidence of God in your life and the courage of God in your life. And number five, you and I, if we're going to Embrace and seize upon the fear not factor. We've got to seize upon the gift of his great love in our life. Everyone say he loves me. First John chapter four, verse 18 says this about God's love. God's love, his perfect love casts out what? All fear. And you embrace the love of God. It doesn't matter. You know, when, when you see a young couple get married, maybe they don't have a lot of money. But they love each other and they just really fall in love. And all the fears of the unknown seem to wash away. It doesn't matter because we love one another. Don't you know things are bad? It doesn't matter. We, we just love one another. We're not going to fear the future. Hey, he loves us. He'll never leave us or forsake us. Seize upon his love. Perfect love casts out all fear. Amen. I'll never forget my son, and I'm going to close with one more in just a moment. When he was little and we moved to the lake, there was unknowns in the lake. It was stumpy and muddy. My little boy, when he, I, can't, I can't believe he used to be this tall, but a little bigger than Ty maybe. And we had, wa- we had wade out into the water, and he had followed me. And I'd say, you just stay behind Daddy. And he'd stayed behind me. And one day we were wading out and I took a step and I got pretty deep. And I looked back and he was right here. And he had his fishing pole. And I turned around and I said, Nate, you okay? He said this, I'm so glad I have a brave daddy. He wasn't moving from behind me. And he knew I loved him enough that I was brave and cared about him. That even though he was right to here, he could trust his daddy. Because his daddy loves him. Amen. You and I have to seize upon these truths in our life. And finally, the last thing you and I need to seize upon in order to seize the fear not factor in our life, we need to seize upon the vision of victory that God has for us. 
God has a vision of victory for you. He didn't create you for you to be a loser and a, and a defeated enemy. Defeated by your enemy. He created you to win. In fact, the Bible says we have the victor living on the inside of us. You see, the children of Israel, when they came up, the first generation out of Egyptian bondage, they were the vict, had the victim mentality rather than the victorious mindset and, and all they could see was their defeat. No matter what Joshua and Caleb said, we are able to go up and take the country. We are able to possess the land. It didn't matter. Because in their mind, all they could see was their defeat. Because all they'd been doing is living in defeat. That was their mindset. And if you and I are going to embrace the fear not factor, we've got to get a vision of victory over our life. Just like David, this uncircumcised Philistine, today his head is coming off his shoulder. He got them together and said, Children of Israel, Joshua did, said, Tomorrow, We're going to cross over. No more wanderings. No more what is it. Hallelujah. Tomorrow, it's a land flowing with milk and honey. And these giants are coming down. Saith the Lord. How do you see your life? What do you see your future? You got to get a vision of victory. Realize there are more with us than there are with them. God's going to do great things in our midst. We're not going to fear. Listen carefully. I said it a few moments ago. Let me say it clear as a bell today. This is the big remember. Get ready. Here's the big remember. Whatever you seize upon will end up seizing you. That's the big remember today. Whatever you seize upon will end up seizing you. And I meet people all the time that have seized up on some things and and, and, and I'm thinking, just let it go. Then I realize, no, they can't let it go. Because they got a hold of it so hard that it ended up getting a hold of them. And now, as the Bible says, it's a castle in their brain, a stronghold that requires some mighty, powerful spiritual forces. As the Bible says, that pull down those strongholds in our life. Whatever you seize upon is going to end up seizing you. you seize upon the fear factor it will seize you and paralyze you but if you proactively reach out as God spoke to Joshua and said be strong seize upon them you'll find yourself in victory lane my friend you'll find the walls of Jericho falling in on your enemies You'll find all your enemies quaking in their boots because of what God has done in and through your life. 
Let's stand together today. Whatever you seize upon will end up seizing you. This morning, I came to tell you today that if you're going to move forward in your life and move past the sameness of your wilderness wanderings and into God's promised possession and navigate your way into the perfect will of God, you have got to seize upon the fear not factor in your life. Be strong and of a good courage. Let's bow our heads before the Lord today. Father, today as we come to this moment of opportunity, I ask you, Lord, to let the word of the Lord. Now, listen, I I sense this on this prayer that God's going to really begin to go to work in our life.